0: Good evening everybody, okay, the theme of tonight's talk and uh, the service in general is challenge. Um, obviously a huge wide-ra- wide-ranging wide subject and something that when uh, Mike mentioned it to me I started to, to think about and tease out and immediately the whole thing just got huge. I mean as soon as you start to think about the challenges we all face every day they are massive. Some not so big as others, but we all face challenges all the time. For some of us, it's a challenge to get to church on time. And as hard as we try every week, we're still that few minutes late. Sometimes we're 20 minutes late. But there you go, that's the challenge. For some of us, there are challenges that aren't ongoing. Challenges that are just here today, gone tomorrow. It might be an exam or a test. And it builds up, it builds up, it builds up, and the challenges come and the challenge is coming, and then the challenge is gone. And it's on to the next thing. When I started to think about the challenges of life, of getting up, of work, of finances, of dealing with people, of routine, of lack of routine, the list is endless. And I just got to this point where I just felt like I was going to stand up here and go, because there's just so much challenge going on that I didn't know what to focus on. But then, of course, I started to think about the challenge of the gospel, of Christ, of living as Christians today, of being relevant to a world which is becoming increasingly distant from anything Christian. When you think about it, we all face challenges all the time. But tonight I want us to think about the challenge of context. Context is the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement or idea. They help us fully understand and assess what is going on around us. It's where we are, it's what we're doing, where we find ourselves, how we influence others, how others influence us. It's the things we are shaped by and the means by which we see and understand our very existence. Put simply, it's very important. Without acknowledging our context, we're living in a confused state. How can you know where you're going if you don't know where you are at the moment? So in this context, in here tonight, I'd like us to imagine four different types of Christian, or church, if you will. And I want to make it clear before I start this that I speak in the terms of you, 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 you. But I'm not saying you, okay? So nobody has to take anything personally, but I want you to take what you will from the four different types that I've identified. The types are not definitive, they're not fixed, but they're just generalizations to get us thinking, to get us thinking about our context. I'm going to have a glass of water first. Challenge of dry mouth. Okay. So, the first type, the isolationist branch. You fear the context you find yourself in, and without the necessary tools to operate within it, you tend to withdraw. Like a turtle, you always feel at home, as long as you don't have to stick your head out. You don't want to see what's going on around you, because it can be a bit hard to deal with. Everything can seem hard to deal with at times, especially following God. The only way to get on is to move slowly around one safe place to another, meeting mostly just other turtles, cutting yourself off from the context which always seems to be chasing you around. Perhaps there was a time when this wasn't the case. Once you quite enjoyed sticking your head out, having a look around, taking it all in, exploring, absorbing, challenging. But something happened. Perhaps the context in which you grew up changed too quickly around you. Perhaps after a conversion experience, you could no no longer balance living in this context with the new Christian one you were in. Or was it the case that after years of trying to engage with your context, and as other turtles receded and started to live in their shells because they couldn't cope, that you decided there was no other way to carry on, and so you sunk back too, and left the challenging to others? That's the first type the isolationist turtles. The second type are those who still function within this context, but are happy, at least you tell yourself you are, to toe the party line. Whatever the powers that be give to you as direction, you do it. Whatever it is that makes you a good citizen, you do it. Whatever those around you have to do to get on, you do it too. You're like the elephant that, when it was young, had its leg tied to a tree. You were a small baby elephant. There's no way you could pull a tree down. And then you grew up into a big elephant, all the time believing that you could never pull that tree down. Those that tied you to the tree now dictate nearly everything you do. And you're happy, at least you tell yourself you are, to carry on with the day-to-day tasks. Sure, who wouldn't be happy? Towing logs, carrying tourists, performing at the circus. They say that elephants never forget, which is great. But what if you're remembering the wrong stuff? You miss out on so much because there's never the time to sit down and trace the rope back. Where did this come from? Who tied this? Who's pulling my strings? Life has raced on so fast that I'm doing now, this now because that's how it's always been. Who am I to upset the apple cart? Perhaps this rope was tied when you grew up in the church. Perhaps when you were brought up, there are only certain things that you're allowed to think, to say, or to do. If you pull on this now, it's too big a risk. No, thanks. I'm fine. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I don't want no trouble. So we've got the restricted elephant. The third type, and I'm sure none of you can identify with this type. These guys are seriously serious. For them, the best way to get on is to get things into order. Get it straight, get things clean. Once this is done, everything will be better. You keep yourself clean, and you'd better watch out if you're not like them. They're going to be quite confrontational if they come across you with your dirtiness and your bad lifestyle and your inability to stick to the rules. There doesn't seem to be much mercy about this group. Like a hare they race round, they're always picking out people's faults, not offering pleasant conversation, just all the time making others feel like they're not quite making the grade. These people seem to have become confused at some point. Their message seems okay at first, but how have they gone to town with it? They feel like they're challenging people, but no amount of what they do is going to improve things because in their hearts they just want people to behave not to live. So the zealous hare is the third type. On to the fourth type, and the final type. These are those who like to attack. They are the Christians who speak of love, but seem so angry. A shake of the hand can be closely followed by words of warning, tales of burning, and a rushed manner in which they almost beg you to join their type. Come on, this way, quickly, quickly, look behind you there, it's, it's a literal interpretation of everything in scripture, do this list of things now and it won't ever quite catch up with you, this way, this way. These are the Christian commando unit, they come in with their gospel loaded guns, bang, 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 saved, and on to the next set of hostages. The problem is that when you blew the door off its hinges and shot at these people, They were completely unaware that they were captive to anything in the first place. They really appreciate the sentiment, but really just want you to close the door, after you've hung it back on its hinges, and leave them alone, thanks, all the same. You check the bullets. Yep, still the same old concoction. I wonder why it's not working anymore. And so you retreat to trenches, peering over the edge, seeing things at a distance. You stopped leaving it long ago and now just wait until somebody falls in and then you do all you can to show how different you are from them in the hope that they'll stay and join you. For hours, after they've left that is, you try to work out why they just aren't seeing what you're seeing. You can understand why, you can't understand why they don't want to be part of your context. Now, maybe for you, you don't fit into any of these types, but somewhere on this spectrum, you can probably think of someone like this in some ways. Then, in the context of these groups, something happens. A rumour comes to your attention. An email arrives in your shell. A passenger on the Elephant Express makes mention of another type. Someone has the cheek to offer a different way of doing things. Or you accidentally take in a cartridge that doesn't really fit your gun. Something is different. Something is going on. Slowly, you begin to realize that context, that is, the situation you find yourself in, is a lot different than you thought. The places that you'd never ventured into, the ideas you'd always protected yourself from, the people, you would never really listen to surround you. Your context has changed. You are somehow having to behave in different ways. Your language needs adapting. Your worldview is being stretched. The things that were important to you now are becoming less important. Things that had always been around you and that had passed you by, or rather, you would pass them by, are becoming interesting and valuable. You begin to ask questions as to how you're acting, how this fits in with how you've always seen things. What is going on? And each type is being challenged. Some of the turtles are engaging with those around them. They're talking to them, listening to them, moving out of their shells and into the lives of others. The outside is no longer the threat it once was. Communities are growing. And wonderful, as in wonders, wonderful things, are happening. Meanwhile, there are elephants picking up their imaginary ropes and chasing them back to the source. I can't believe it, they're saying. All this time, and I've missed out on so much. They're beginning to pull down the trees that held them back. They investigate what it is they believe, what it is they do and how they serve other people. They no longer do it out of duty, but out of a sincere desire to know them and to love them. There are some amongst the hares who are having to slow down, stop bashing people as they pass. They are sitting, contemplating, taking in what people are like. What issues are these people facing? What questions do we need to answer to enhance their experience of God. They no longer fear what is coming from behind, for they realize that history cannot pursue them. Instead, they look to the future. They eat up every day as if it were a time in which they were laying the foundations of something magnificent. The commandos are getting wet. It's raining and has been for weeks. The trenches are filling up. Everything around them is turning to liquid, and they seem to be the only solid thing left. Some are drowning. They are refusing to move. They are despairing. What's the point, they say. We told them, but they just wouldn't listen. Others are flapping about in the water, clinging to anything that floats by. Some half-drowning, grabbing to any idea that they have. Not quite drowning yet but the current is speeding up, getting stronger, and they're not sure how much longer they can last. Meanwhile, a few of the commandos, a small group who have been feeling disillusioned for a while, have managed to tie a few pieces of what they had together. They have made a raft. They're setting sail, but they have no map. They are pumped with adrenaline as they escape the mess and push on to, to somewhere else to who knows where. For so long they resisted the flow, and the flow gobbled them up. For now they will paddle with this growing tide and try to find a way through it without sinking beneath it. As they journey on, they find others who have done the same. Always stories of how they lost loved ones and loved things because they never tried to understand them. Always tales of how they managed to get out and get on into the adventure they now find themselves in. This is relevant to us now, in this room. We each have a context and we each have the opportunity to engage with other contexts around us, other situations, other people, other ideas and other things. You see, it's the same today in many ways, in some ways, as it was with Jesus. Jesus had a context too. He was born into the context of four main groups. Zealots, Essenes, Herodians, Pharisees. The Zealots were violent and wanted to overthrow the powers around them by force, albeit in the name of Christ. The Essenes retreated to the desert and isolated themselves from any other context so they wouldn't have to face the realities around them. The Herodians did exactly what the authorities said. There was no need to upset anyone about anything. And the Pharisees believed that if they could just get things right, if people would behave, if they could get rid of the sin, then everything would be sorted. These groups were all God-fearing. Then into the midst of them came this man who proclaimed to be God incarnate. God and man at the same time. He came and managed not to isolate himself, not to be violent to those in power, not to do just as always had been done, and not to be legalistic. He came to engage with those that God loves, with everyone. He came to challenge the context that everyone was operating within, from the top to the bottom, or the bottom to the top, should I say. He wanted all to know of something better and more powerful than had ever been known before. This was the new way of thinking, and acting, and conversing, and loving, and changing, and challenging. And this Jesus, this God-man, was so, so different. He lived and died and was resurrected. This awesome force has a story, and an ongoing legacy of which we are all you see, Jesus taught in challenging ways. Think about his use of light, for example. Rhoda, could you bring the second verse? It's Matthew 6. It's Matthew 5, sorry. Uh, verses 14 to 16. From the message. And he taught this. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this From this, Christ doesn't mean that we're called to be light only amongst light. He's not directing us to stay away from the darkness altogether. He wants us to be light and light in the darkness. This means we are to go into the darkness and shine. The radiance of God is powerful enough to turn darkness into light and not the often feared light into darkness. Look at Christ's example. How often was he mixing with the darkness as an example of the ultimate source of light, of love? Light transforms, light enables, light leads. Light gives life and light challenges. But the light here is a metaphor. It goes beyond the flame and the bulb and onto an actual meaning in the very essence of Christ. This meaning means we are to be different in regular situations, to love where there is hate, to welcome where people are shunned, to contradict the accepted norms with the challengingly profound. To be good in the face of bad, this is light. You cannot be this unless you have the backdrop of what is dark. It's not seen against a backdrop that is dark. And don't get me wrong, it's no bad thing for light to be with light. This is a great thing. We are light tonight together. But if it only stays in one place, it will only attract others in a limited way. If Christ had shined and sat in one place, I'm sure that some would have gravitated towards him. But he didn't do that. Instead he moved from one place to the next. Challenging the darkness through being the light. Conversing with the outcasts. Practicing what he preached. This is called being missional. Taking the extraordinary example of Christ to those around us who are willing. Who are willing to hear. On the point of being willing, I want to offer an illustration Recently, Nina and I were watching a documentary on human trafficking in which people, mostly women, are taken from Eastern Europe, from utter poverty, and are sold into the sex trade. They are brought across to places like Ireland and the UK, and they are completely violated, abused, treated like scum. They are under the power of pimps, of drug barons, of criminals. And some pluck up the courage to escape, often after months and months in these situations. And the documentary was pointing out that Ireland currently has no system where they can protect these girls. More often than not, they are sent back to where they came from. And so the programme brought out an example of a country in Europe that has a system in place. And when it comes to the attention of the authorities that one of these women have escaped, they offer them a safe house. And ultimately, they want them to prosecute those that are operating in their country as pimps and as drug barons and as criminals. But the fear in these women is too great for them to walk into this place and testify, and so what they do is they patiently, patiently let them live in these facilities. They feed them, they let them get back to strength, and in their own time, whether it's months or years, they can then choose to testify against those that have done wrong against them. Trust is built between the authorities and the young woman, and justice is served. And I believe that we have to conduct ourselves as Christians, as the church of Christ, in a similar way. We have to be patient. We have to build trust. And we have to show people that what we say is in fact true in our own lives. That we are not hypocrites. That we are genuinely loving them. Not just expecting another conversion, another tithe, or another statistic in the annual district handbook. You see, if we expect sudden results, then our practice, our ministry, often follows suit. Yes, there should be an urgency in taking up the command to see all the nations hear of Christ, but not at the cost of quality in our practice. Too often we are forced into doing things that we haven't considered properly because we are moving so fast We should question what happens to the teaching of Christ on silence, on knowing our scripture in depth, of questioning and of being questioned, of authenticity, of servanthood. What does a servant expect in return? Does he ever get the best wage? Does she ever get the best of everything? When can they gain the ability to borrow beyond their means? Or to be free to do as they please, they don't. And too often in our culture we miss this point. We only see the negatives in servanthood. We confuse servanthood with slavery. Yet Christ himself served and expected the same from us. It involved sacrifice and it involves sacrifice now. We should stop clinging to material wealth, to buildings that are barely used, to personal desires, and instead look to the desires of God. We need to look to the poor, to the sick, the needy, the forgotten, the isolated, the spiritually unaware or the spiritually dead. We need to work out how we can truly engage with these people. What church can they become? How can we help them do this? This is different from saying, what kind of people can these be in our church? How can they fit this mode? Why would they? Why should they? And so I come back to the four types described at the beginning. The isolated turtle, the restricted elephant, the zealous hare and the Christian commandos. Question how we might fit into these types. How does this affect our interaction with others? How does this shape the church? And what does this mean for you from this point on in this community? The needs out there are limitless. The darkness is expansive. The task is huge. Yet at no time are any of these factors bigger than God. All the time, if we are following Christ's way, if we are empowered by his spirit, then surely the greatest things can happen. And this is just where the challenge begins. Take the Lord's Prayer, for example. If you just put it up please, Rhoda? I'll just let you read that. I'm not going to read it, but it will be up there. Take the Lord's Prayer. We are praying his will, the kingdom, to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. The eternal starts here. The miracles of faith happen here. The transforming spirit of God is in action here, now, tonight, from this day on and forever not something that we will just arrive at eventually. It's not coming. It is not somewhere else. If we serve a king who is in heaven now, if we sing our God reigns, we belt it out in our worship, our God reigns. If he reigns, then we serve him in a kingdom. We serve his ways. His kingdom is defined by acceptance, by wonders of creation, by miracles of faith by the participation in God's grace and the celebration of our story, our heritage. Is this the kingdom in here, now? Are we the subjects serving a God of mercy and compassion? Are we impacting the lives of the poor, the weak, the spiritually blind, and those that are deaf, to the divine. God's heart cries out for service. We cry out for material wealth, self-involved needs, and security in numbers. We are meant to be establishing a kingdom which moves towards the place in history where Christ will be. Instead we wait, bags packed, looking at the clock. Soon he'll arrive. Soon. Challenge yourself tonight. Challenge the community you're a part of, this church. Because one thing is certain. No matter what mixture of the types you may or may not be, the context around you is shifting fast. It is a river, like I mentioned before. Are you ready to bond what we have together? To make a raft and set off to new places? Or is the rain going to continue... And slowly erode everything that we cling to so dearly. Are we in and of the kingdom, or are we waiting for it to arrive? Are we missing what has been sent, what has been started? Challenge your context and those around you. It was the way of the one most high, and he never wanted it to stop let us pray Father God in heaven we come before you now Lord as a people who wish to be light, to shine Lord in the darkness we come to you Lord with a bold prayer to guide us, to lead us into the places where light doesn't shine at the moment Lord to power us, Lord, with your love, with your compassion, to seek out those who need you most and to act. Father, we thank you that you sent your son and he redeemed us. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace and that we're a part of it. And we want to pray, Lord, that we can be sensitive as we aim to reach others with this great transforming power. Thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is being established. Let us together, with your spirit, Father, make real change in the today, in the now of your holy kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.